as promised, Tony Wild T. Springer is joining us for a chat. He'll be performing at the Etwell Concert Series this Sunday for a wonderful matinee show for you. It's only $20 at the gate. I dare say this will be the best $20 you have spent in a long time. Tony is one of the most respected and coveted Canadian blues rock musician. You are in for an absolute delight if you can get out to Etwell Concert Series this Sunday afternoon at wellconcertseries.ca for all the information. Tony Wild T. Springer, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You, uh, you have quite the storied career, Tony. You've shared the stage <laughs> and the studio with the likes of David Bowie, Jeff Healy, Bon Jovi. You've appeared on the late night shows, Letterman, Leno, Arsenio Hall even. Now we're going to dip into that in just a minute. First though, I want to give a little background. I also want to know how you came to be in Toronto. So here's how I understand it. Please correct me if I'm wrong. You grew up in Trinidad around a mix of calypso, steel drums, reggae. Apparently you started to write songs at the ripe old age of just six years old. You joined a band at 14 years old. And then in the 80s, you moved to Toronto. Now, this is the timeline. Like, it's not complete for me, Tony, because mm-hmm. I don't know how old you were when you moved to Toronto. I believe you were in your teens, but I'm asking that. Okay, see, I'm asking that because I read that you were quite sheltered from the blues rock scene in Trinidad up until that time. You didn't really discover uh, its depths until Toronto. That includes discovering Hendrix. So take us through that journey, please. Fill us in on that and how you came to Toronto. Yeah, well, the whole thing is, um, I mean, growing up in Trinidad, you know, I might, I was thinking about it yesterday, actually. I might have heard of some blues song on the radio, but blues is not a big thing. I mean, who wants to sing the blues when you got the, the, the ocean and beautiful weather and sunshine all year round? <laughs> Nobody sings the blues. Sure. So, you know, the blues, the blues and rock and roll and all that stuff wasn't... I grew up with lots of um, reggae, as you say, calypso, steel drums, everybody. As soon as you come out of the womb, you get a pair of sticks and you start playing steel drums. So your rhythm is like impact, impeccable. Everybody's got rhythm coming out there, you know, behind Yeah. That's the thing. But uh, I remember there was a time when I was like about eight years old, ten years. Every 5.30 to 6 o'clock, there was a country hour on the radio. And you, as soon as that came on, country, you just that my and my family would just switch the station because mm. they're not into that. It's a whole different culture down there. By the time I turned 12, 14, and the country thing came on, I used to go, don't touch that dial. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in charge now. <laughs> I started listening to stuff like Harper Valley PTA. Yes. attention to 
to it. Nobody talks about, yeah, did you hear the blues song? And no, not that type of report with people. So that happened. And what happened, I started arranging at an early age, about 14, for a steel, steel band of 90 people. Yeah. And this was a big thing for me. Like, it did, what you do as an arranger, you would take, there was a local Calypso songs. It was always around made the, the Mardi Gras, which was carnival back home. And um, you would take local Calypsoians who would sing songs, and you, you pick your song that you like and arrange it and put this uh, different arrangements and stuff. And at an early age, I used to listen to bands playing this stuff, and I used to critique them. <laughs> my friends, I was thinking about this the other day, too. My friends probably used to go, oh, God, here, here, there goes Tony again. <laughs> I used to go, why are they doing that? with the music when they should do that and I always like was critiquing so when I got the chance to arrange to be an arranger I was in heaven man my, my little band we ended up going through getting close to the semifinals we were in the newspaper called the little band actually it was a, a band of 50 people mm. and because that, that's the minimum amount of people you can have in a band wow. 50 uh, bands would come up with 200 strong yeah. And stuff. my little band from Tunapuna, this is my hometown in Trinidad, we, we played, and next thing we had in the newspapers, the little band that could. Uh, oh, <laughs> because That's I incredible. All, all the critique I grew up with, I started going, I'm not doing that, what everybody's doing. I'm doing my thing, I'm doing this. I was yeah. I was putting in guitar shops and licks, and, and that was the thing for me. And uh and so, I mean, at that early age, I was making money because these bands had sponsors and stuff, and they would pay you for the arrangements, arranger. And then at one point, I wanted to further my career and come to Canada. I wanted to go to the States, but it's always tough to go to the States. You couldn't, you had to have, like, family and sign papers. Canada, you just fill out a form. And so I got a hold of the Royal Conservatory in Toronto right. and they sent me some applications and I uh, filled it out and I was ready to go to come to Canada to study music at the Royal Conservatory and just as this happened more music started coming my way I was in this Afro-Caribbean band and all this stuff and making lots of money as a kid and I'm going you know maybe I'd, let, I'd pass on that, that Canadian trip so that was the first time the second time it happened a couple of years later I got the bug again. Okay, just leave, go to Canada. Fill out the form and I was ready to come. Same thing happened, Sarah. Oh. At the time, this was like a thing that was just going on in my mind. I was just, I need to go and explore and, and you know, you know, get varied with my music. And and the third time it happened, I filled out the form in the same pattern. And this time I went, nope, I'm going. <laughs> Here's me in Canada. I came up here the 2nd of June in the 80s and uh, in the airport. I remember my, my family friend who came to pick me up. I was staying at her place. She, I'm in the airport and in, in the parking lot. I'm going, wow, this is a huge parking lot and they have air condition. It was 22 <laughs> degrees. I've never, my body has never felt that kind of cold. <laughs> yeah. I'm fresh off the board going, wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Tony? And now, actually, it's 22 degrees in Toronto now. It's a, I love 22 degrees. It's my, my, I love 22. Yeah, that's your <laughs> I sweet can, spot. I can, handle, I can handle 20, 18. Come winter time, I don't complain about weather, period. I've, I've learned to, like, it's Mother Nature doing a thing. You just adjust. And winter time, we get the most snow. I, I'd be dashing through the snow like <laughs> like, a, like a Eskimo. <laughs> So Tony, how do you how do you get? I need to know how do you, that that first experience of Hendrix? Because I am under the assumption that you first heard of Hendrix when you were in Toronto, and then all not all of a sudden, but then you have a, a tribute band to Hendrix. Yeah, I am. Um, I heard of, a little bit of Hendrix in Trinidad. People would come and go, "Man, check this guy out! This is like amazing!" And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. It was just too just alien to me. I mean, I was into like uh, Slam Family Stone, James Brown, Otis Redding, some this, some that, funky okay. stuff, and just this rock thing. Somebody lent me an album once, and they go, check this guy out, them Jimi Hendrix, he's, great. he's the greatest. And it was the Monterey Pop Festival. Right, where Jimmy burnt his guitar. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to this thing, and hearing a guitar burning, going, what the hell? Noises. I know. I don't want to hear this. So I, I stood the side. The other side of the monorail was all this red and live. And I thought mm. I hit the jackpot. So what we used to do back then is borrow, lend, lend each other albums and borrow it for a month. If you like it, you keep it for Trinidad time. I go. I give you back in two months, and a year later you still have it. It's called Trinity time. So I heard all this red, and that was it for me. So when I came to Canada. Strangely enough, I didn't know anything about the blues or rock and roll, so I was really frequenting West Indian bars. There were lots of them in Toronto. Mm. And I used to go and listen to all this funk music and soul, mm. soul music, and, and make friends with the band guys, and next thing they would get me to come up and play guitar with them and talk around the West Indian circles. Well, you got to hear this guy from Trinidad, man, mm. play guitar. So I started playing and frequenting. And Somebody, I've never heard of it uh, since, never heard of it before. The Canadian Black Music Awards mm, yes. was on, and my friends and the bands, they nominated me without me knowing. Ah. The best guitarist. So next thing I got a thing, oh, you got to come to this show. The Canadian Black Music Awards, you're nominated for best guitarist. That's <laughs> wonderful. I ended, up, I ended up winning yeah. best guitarist. Yeah. yeah. And so then... That, and as much as you look up to Hendrix, then, you know, you've got uh, Jeff Healy calling you basically a messiah. You know, yeah. like, look at what you've yeah, done for yourself. That's really, really amazing. It's yeah. quite, quite well, the what, story. Happened, what happened with this thing is uh, they, they asked me to play a song, and I had a band called The Menu. And we used to play uh, Rod Stewart and just stuff and getting to whatever and stuff. And then we played, and a guy gave me his card. He goes, I have a booking agency. Come to my office on Monday. I went up on Monday. I just got my hair because I had this big, huge afro, man. Birds be in my hair going, yep, let's, let's, let's get a family. I just cut it because it was hot and humid and stuff. And yeah. So I went up to this guy's office and he goes, the, the, the tribute band acting was hot in, in Canada. He goes, learn two hours of Jimi Hendrix's material and I guarantee you five grand a week. Mm. And I am thinking to myself, my first thought was, 
man, this, I don't like this stuff. Thank you, but no. And then I started thinking, for five grand, I'll be Dolly Parton, man. <laughs> five grand a week? I'll be Whitney Houston, man. Come on. I'll be Tina Turner. <laughs> so, so that's how I got into the Hendrix thing. I, I just thought, well, let's do it. Yeah. And it's, it's something to do. And by the first gig, everybody was coming up to me going, oh, man, you're Hendrix's son. You're Hend and I just said, my, my drop to them was, man, I'm not into this. I'm just doing it. And then that quickly changed yeah. <laughs> because I went, don't be saying this negative thing about a positive thing. I'm very positive, spiritually positive like that. So I started going, yeah, man, yeah, Jimmy is my dad. Yeah, we're from the same tribe. And, and that, that led to the Hendrix. That's how I got into that stuff. What a, what a story you have back in the day, you know, uh, that young of age coming here. And this is all before the Internet. I, I love it. Um, yeah, I do have a, a question quickly about uh, sort of the evolution of the industry and talking about, you know, the Internet with technology and whatnot. But before we get to that, I want you to just quickly tell the story of how your relationship with David Bowie came to light, because that is a happening that most musicians dream of. Yeah, that was a really strange, beautiful thing. I had a rehearsal that day at noon in the studio with my guys, and I was sick, I was coughing, and at 6 o'clock, I had a rehearsal at noon, 6 o'clock I had to go to this place and do a, a sound check for this, some some awards show with my, with my band. So I'm, in, I'm rehearsing with the boys, and coughing, and just being a, and being a trooper, going, oh man, okay. Eventually I went, guys, I have to, I have to go home and rest. And, you know, because we have this thing to do later, which I never do. I never turn my back on music. I, music heals me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? But that one particular time, I'm, so I'm driving home, and two words came to my mind, strange modern. And I'm always in, in sound mode, always looking to write a new song. I'm thinking, man, this sounds like a song I can write. So I'm driving home coughing and sneezing and strange modern. I'm going, this sounds like something David Bowie would, would sing about, you know? So I, I got home, went to rest for like a couple hours, thinking strange modern David Bowie. And I got up, two, I got up a, an hour later. My TV was always on, on much music. Right. Yeah. I turned on the TV thinking strange modern David Bowie is on the TV. <laughs> and I'm going, wow, man, this is a, this is something from the stars. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then I'm leaving to go to the gig now, to my rehearsal late, and my telephone rings, and I'm going, okay, whoever this is, I can't, I'm late, I got to go. I'm, I'm about to lock my door, and I thought, you're late, man. Just go answer the damn phone. I pick up the phone. My manager is going, David Bowie wants to meet you. Oh, thank God and you I picked up that phone. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> he, was, he was with a band touring. He wasn't doing a big, elaborate, you know, tour with lights and all this stuff. He was doing with a band called Tin Machine. Huh? And they were touring Toronto. They were touring Canada. He was in Montreal the night that night. And while he was doing a soundtrack, saw my video for Midnight Blues. One of my right. songs, the second single on my first CD, Midnight Blues. Right. While they were doing a sound check, he saw that on, on much music's equivalent, Music 2. Yeah, that's the video that the guitar lights up. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yes. I, I wondered how you did that, actually. 
That it was a simple thing. It wasn't me. It was the, the director here. Yeah. You know when you're driving your car at night and you have the lights on and you see these um, the road signs that illuminate when the light hits them. Yeah. Yeah. In, in orange or whatever, it just gets bright. Right. Apparently, there was there was not the yellow ones. There's like this one that he put on the guitar was this gray shark skin color, blah bland bland color. If you look at it, they just gray with no nothing and as soon as it shines a flashlight or any light on it it comes to be it looks like the jedi sword and yeah. star wars thing that's super cool so we put it all over the guitar and that was the, the thing so i went to now uh, i met david Bowie center he, he called my manager he goes i'm coming to toronto the next night i'm leaving two tickets to come see the show and two backstage passes to come meet me so that's how i met david Bowie. i met him we had a good chat he gave me his card he goes i would like to do some stuff with you and called me a couple of weeks a month later and asked me to come and play in his record and that's amazing that's the whole thing yeah because he great. saw your music video that is yes and meanwhile much music wasn't playing the video they said they, they weren't i mean oh. <laughs> montreal the french i i adore french people that's why we go i go to europe a lot i'm going back to germany in a couple months next month actually okay i was just there four three months we've been to europe all over france Belgium, Holland, whatever. And they just listen to music differently. Montreal is like that, I find. Mm-hmm. Montreal you know, is so where when, it's at, when, sure. when much music were kind of like giving me the brush off, yeah, I guess he's okay and playing. But it was a regular play in music too in Montreal, and that's when he saw it. And yeah. That is crazy how that happens. Um, We are buttoned up to, we only have a 15-minute time slot, Tony, but I'm going to go over because I really want your opinion on... Uh, the, the progression of the music industry. So quickly, if we just divert back to your early days in music, compare it to today, because back, I think it was around 2010, you'd mentioned during an interview that at that time, you had kept your effect pedals to a minimum, but yes. you have been around for the advent of the digital loop. <laughs> now we have AI. What do you think? Oh. What do you think of the evolution of the industry in that regard? How is it affecting your approach today, or is it even? It doesn't affect me. I'm, I'm like still tuned into old school learning. I mean, there's, the good thing with AI and all the, the revolution is like everybody can learn everything they want to learn easily about it push of a, a button you know like uh, I mean there's back in the day when I wanted to learn a guitar lick in Trinidad you had, you had to like put a penny which was like English we had big huge pennies heavy put it on the, the head of the the turntable to slow the record down and you would learn the lick whatever and learn it and then when you take it off and decide to play it's fast and it's a different key so you learn, you're killing two birds, you, you learn how to transpose the music from this key, and you learn stuff like that. Today they have it so easy, you can just push a button, learn in any key. And so I like that. I really dig how it's really revolutionized the learning process. And people, I'm hearing sounds of, with guitars now, I'm going, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, people of God taking guitar to other stratospheres. Yeah. Me, I'm still old school and come from the soul and the heart and still touch me. Because I, I find everybody now is like into speed. Everything is... Woo, 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 woo. That's, <laughs> did, that's wait. to know that, but you know... Did you, just you say, gotta, did you just say you're still dusty? No, I'm still old school 
and not everybody is in to speed. Yeah. That everybody that picks up and gets out, they want to go do and mesmerize you with, with fast stuff, which is good. I mean, I I really admire it because yeah. I love guitar. I love the sound of guitar. I love where it's taken. So the, the new thing is good. It's, it's just harder with everybody's got a, a similar thing. Same with vocals and stuff. You know, you hear one singer. Back in the day, you hear Aretha Franklin. You know it's Aretha. You know, you, you hear somebody, you know, you can tell. Now everybody sounds the same. And so, it's, so that is one thing that, it's not a bad thing. I have, you have to go with the flow with these things and can't be too negative. I dig the, the progress, but I have to still give people an old school thing. I can play fast and quick, crazy fast too, but that yeah. is, is not what it's all about. So, And because of that now, it's harder to really distinguish people and, and it's harder to make it. People are getting famous with followers on the internet. Right. As opposed to playing live. Right. You know, because they sit in the basement and they shred and get good and then they post whatever they... And anybody can do that, really. You know, I mean, I created, you know, what is that that, that thing with uh, the COVID when people couldn't go out, you know, like... Yeah, the lockdown stay, and... The lockdown, stay indoors and yeah. stuff. I created that stuff back home. Yeah. I would be in my room playing guitar, just loving the sound and practicing and doing stuff and going... <gasps> Oh, it's my girlfriend's birthday. It's 10 o'clock in the evening. I'm supposed to go have dinner with my girlfriend at 6 o'clock. Whoops. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, self, I'm in my room playing and stuff. So anybody can do that. Now it's so easy to do. And everybody's doing it. So everybody, a whole bunch of everybody sounds the same. But yeah. it, I, I admire where it's going. Yeah. It may be overkill, but, you know, there's, there's still good heartfelt and soul music out there. You just got to search for it now. Right, right. There's definitely yeah. something to keep our eye on, and I had to. I had to just call you out on if you said that you know you're you're dusty because there is no dust on those fingers. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. At not. not at all. No, I, I keep them keep them trained and listening to me. I, I even up to this day when I first started, I would go and start playing and go. If you guys mess up this little scale I'm doing, if we mess it up, we're doing it four more times mm-hmm. just to get them disciplined. And if we mess up, we do it four more times and. In the long run, you just get better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still do it today. If I pick up my, I don't really practice and shred and stuff. I just pick it up and play stuff, and that comes to me. And if I'm writing a song, whatever. But if I mess up, they just know. Oh my God, we got to do it four more times. Oh Lord, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a formula that's working for you, obviously. Yeah, um, Tony, we do have to wrap up, but tell us what is what does the near future for Wild Tea, possibly Wild Tea in the Spirit, look like? Anything in the making, well, touring? What's going on? I uh, anybody that's friends with me on Facebook, you can. I just posted a new song that. I'm going to be re-recording in the studio. It's called The Best Things in Life. Um, and so I'm working on a new CD, so that, that's going to be one. I have, like, a few songs set out and going through that stuff. And constantly, you know, touring, as I say, going to Europe, going all, I'm going out west early October nice. for Wild in the Spirit Tour and just playing around and doing my thing. Like Freedom Train says, I'm doing the same things better, Sarah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, P, what's happening, man? What you doing? I go, I'm doing the same things better. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Now, you've played at World Concert Series before, right? Yes, I love it. I love concerts. 
Last time I was in Huntsville was in 2019. We played uh, the theater there. That was um, the Woodstock re Review. Yeah. Lance Anderson had a Woodstock thing, and uh, we had Janis Joplin, me, of course. I played, I did Jimmy Hendrix. I played also played Carlos Santana, some yeah. songs, and it was in Huntsville, yeah. And then we did the Etrell series a couple of times. I played there for a New Year's Eve gig. I love coming to Huntsville. You guys are some musical, man. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a really great local musician, Jeremy Waterhouse, yeah. opening up uh, your show. I, I don't know if you know him, but I hope you get to catch him. If you don't, I'm sure you'll dig it. And yeah, I, I'm going to come up early and check it out. Excellent. I know that you're going to get a very warm Muskoka welcome. Tony Wild T. Springer, absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Thank you, Sarah. Hope to see you on Sunday. I, I'm pretty sure you will. Um, we, of course, wish you all the best in your future endeavors. It's only $20 at the gay people for you to catch Wild Tea and the Spirit at the Etwell Concert Series in Huntsville this Sunday afternoon. Weather is looking fine. 245 at for more info. Here is the song of that wonderful video that caught Bowie's eye. It's Midnight Blues, Wild Tea and the Spirit on the bay. Great. Thank you, sir.